If you got your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, to the fifth chapter. The Gospel of Mark to the fifth chapter. And as we get ready and we're turning there, I'm getting my stuff here ready for you. Jesus is busy doing what Jesus does, and we're getting to see a glimpse of a day in his life. He starts out this day, they're in the boat, and they're crossing over, and a storm comes, and Jesus' apostles are in fear for their lives. How many of you have ever been in fear for your life? you got something going on right now that you know if God doesn't intervene, it, it, you're in trouble. And, you know, if you got a need you can fix, you really ain't got that bad of a need. But sooner or later in life, you're going to find yourself with a troubled problem, a need that you know there's no human can fix. There's nothing else you can do. And you get to the place where only Jesus can fix it. They get out of that boat and they land on the side of the Sea of Galilee in a place called Gadarene. And there's a demonic possessed man. They call him the Gadarene demoniac. Possessed of over 2,000 demons. Now you got a problem. But folks, today if you don't notice and have the spiritual discernment to see that demonic activity is going on everywhere around us like never before as we approach the end of the end as Jesus is beginning to prepare to open that eastern sky there is the enemy and he is doing much damage and wrecking havoc in many of our families many of our marriages and our homes and if you look at our nation today you see what happens when people forget that only Jesus can help you with the spiritual enemies that we face. When we look at Satan and his dominions and his demonic thing. And Jesus just comes and he delivers this man. Takes authority over him. Makes him get in a herd of hogs. And then he gets back in the boat. They go back across the sea. Jesus is busy. Amen. And we see where we're going to pick up today. And he comes upon a man named Jairus that we've all heard of we are familiar with his situation his little girl 12 years old was on her deathbed fixing to die I'm sure he was a man that probably had a means of some wealth and he had influence he was a ruler over the synagogue he had probably done everything he could do asked everybody he knew to ask and he heard Jesus has just come back he's just landed back in our community and he runs to Jesus and we pick up the story as we read with a need. He said, Jesus, my little girl is about to die, but you could come and you could heal her. And then we see a lady that we're going to read about who had had a, a, a medical illness. You may have something that the doctor told you that you realize that a doctor might or might not fix it. Well, there are some things only Jesus can fix. And this was one of them. And she hears as the crowd is gathered, as Jairus is there pleading with Jesus, and she comes, and she realizes that I've done everything I can do. I've spent everything I had to spend, and I'm still sick. Today, you may be like these people. You may have a need that's haunted you. It may be an addiction that you can't get rid of. You've tried. You may have some trouble in your relationship with someone who you just can't seem to restore and reconcile with and you've done everything possible to be an agent of peace but there's still turmoil between you and you wish it wasn't that way 
Today you may have a financial need that you can't meet. That you know unless God intervenes, I'm going to be in trouble. But today the biggest need of anything is to know that you're sitting here today lost, not saved, undone, without Christ. And I'm here to tell you the good news today that not only can Jesus heal, not only can he provide, not only can he protect, Jesus Christ saves lost sinners today. And today as we read and we look at this, I want you to think as we look on the topic of why trouble the master? (laughs) Because he's the master. He's the one that can do anything he wants to do. And sometimes, in all honesty, we come to the place where we've done all we can do. That's when you get to the place where now Jesus can do what only he can do. And as you look here with me, starting in verse 21, it says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. When's the last time one of us fell at Jesus' feet? And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. That would do it. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. But rather grew worse. You ever had that happen? Didn't have enough insurance. Couldn't find enough doctors. Wasn't enough medication. And when she heard about Jesus, she came Behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately, not the next day, not next week, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. That I want to remind you had been there for 12 years. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing that in himself, that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples says to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. And told him the whole truth. Have you noticed that wherever you see Jesus doing extraordinary miracles. Meeting unbelievable needs. There's people falling down at his feet. There's people bowing to him. And there's people humbling themselves to him. And it says while he was still speaking though. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. And they said your daughter's dead. And this is where we get. What are we going to look at today? Why trouble the teacher any further? I like what the King James says. While he yet spake, there came from there the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain, which said that thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou master any further? Why trouble the master any further? But Jesus, as soon as he heard the word that was spoken, said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe we'll stop there for now only believe how many of you be honest enough to say there's something in your life right now if it went public or if it doesn't change pretty soon you're scared (laughs) 
Well, you're going to be there sooner or later. And he told him, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. You know, today as we look at Jesus and we see, we see a lot of people sit around who believe Jesus, they follow Jesus, they come to Jesus. But we see a lot of us with needs in our life that we're trusting everything but Jesus. As a pastor, it breaks my heart when I see people looking in all the wrong places trying to get something that they're not going to find. And there are some things in life that doctors can't heal. There are some things in life that counselors can't give you enough advice for to overcome and to fix. There are some things only in life that Jesus can fix. And we see two needs here this morning that we're going to look at. And I want you to think about this. Why trouble if the master? Because he's the master. He's the son of the living God. You see, Jesus Christ is not just someone we read about here that did miracles while he was on earth. The same Jesus that done what we just read is the same Jesus here this morning that will fix your problem, that will change your life, that will take that horrible habit away and give you the ability to walk in a way that pleases him, that blesses you, that he will use you more than just to be religious and go to church. He will reconcile your relationship with God to where you and God are on a good standing. It's called his righteousness. And he can change our lives, but he can fix financial problems. He can provide. You see, a shepherd, he's the good shepherd, and a good shepherd does three things. First of all, he protects. And a lot of us are getting ourselves in trouble because you're not under the care of the protection of our shepherd. Do you know the safest sheep in the flock is the one that's as close to the shepherd? You know the most dangerous, the most troubled, imminent trouble will come to the sheep that's far from the shepherd. And if you wander from the shepherd and you go your way, His protection there, he loves you, but he protects you by us being close to him and listening to his voice, following his commands. And as he leads us, he provides. And sometimes we're not experiencing his provision because you haven't allowed him to lead you. And when he leads us and we listen to his still small voice and he says, my sheep hear me and they know my voice and they follow me. And friends, once you follow Jesus, he not only provides for you and protects you, the greatest thing is the peace of God as he does provide you by the still small waters. And he takes care of your needs and he protects you from danger is the peace of his presence in our life as the shepherd leads. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And listen to this, right before Jesus was taken up He asked for the ladies at the day of the resurrection when they seen him at the tomb. Go and tell my disciples that I'll meet them at the mountain where I previously told them that I am alive. And as he met them, he gave us the great commission. And many times we forget the first thing he said was not go and make disciples. The first thing he said was in this verse right here. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority, not some authority, not most authority. All authority has been given unto me. In heaven and on earth, that's power. And today we see that authority. You know, when you're reading the gospel of Matthew and Mark, I mean, or any of the gospels, you see miracle upon miracle, one after another that Jesus performed, that he did. Meeting these unbelievable needs. He he gave sight to the blind. He caused the lame to walk. He cleansed the lepers. They were equivalent to stage four cancer today. And he, he healed people. 
He done unbelievable things. He brought the dead back to life. He touched this dear lady where she said every doctor she had went to, every physician, she spent every bit of her money, but just by touching his garment because she believed that Jesus was who he was and he could do what only he could do, she was healed. Guys, that same Jesus is the Jesus we worship and praise and sing to this morning that can do that to us if you believe. And friends, listen, this man's daughter was at deathbed, she's laying there. But friends, listen, Jesus was constantly doing miracles. Do you remember when he was dropped through the roof and they brought the man in with a pallet and Jesus is there and he's teaching and the Pharisees are there and he tells the man on the pallet, he says, go in peace, your sins are forgiven. And they're sitting around thinking, who can forgive sins? Who can do that? And Jesus, reading their thoughts, says to them, he says, well, I'm going to tell you what. If you think it's easy to say you can forgive sins, watch this. Get up, take up your pallet, and go home. And he said, just as the Son of Man has power to heal, he has power to forgive. The greatest thing he'll ever do for you today, he might meet a financial need. He might reconcile a disturbed, distraught, terrible situation between you and somebody, even a family member, and reconcile you. He can do that. He can change hearts. But the greatest thing he ever does is he can forgive us and he can save us of our sins. Why can he do that? Because Jesus has the power, the authority to do that over everything in heaven and in earth. You know, as we look at this, this man comes and he meets Jesus and he tells him, come with me. My daughter is almost dead, but you can touch her and heal her. And so he gets the hope up that as he's coming, he's walking with Jesus. Jesus is going to get to my house. All of a sudden, this lady shows up. And this lady pushes through the crowd and she touches Jesus. Jesus stops. <laughs> Remember what Jesus stopped for? He said, hold up, hold up. They're thronging him. They're all around him. I bet a lot of people touch Jesus. But only this reason, lady touched him in this way. They said, somebody touched me. He said, what do you mean somebody touched you? There's people everywhere. Jesus said, no, somebody touched me with a special touch. I felt power come from my body. And all of a sudden, that lady realizes he knows what happened? She realized she's healed. Jesus stopped. I, I imagine Jairus is saying, come on now, Jesus, my little girl. But Jesus stops. Why do you think Jesus stopped? Because he wants us all to see what he can do. <laughs> he wants us to realize who he is. You see, Jesus is not just anybody. He's not just a healer. He's the son of the living God. He's God in the flesh. And friends, that's why he wants us to see what he can do. And he tells her, go, your faith has healed you and made you well. And then all of a sudden they show up. And can you imagine he had his hopes up? You ever had your hopes up? And then all of a sudden they come and they say, it's too late. <laughs> Don't trouble Jesus anymore. Your little girl is dead. Jesus immediately looks and says, Don't be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. And he gets to going towards the house. Now, just because everybody else don't believe what you want to believe doesn't mean anything with Jesus. They said, don't trouble him. Tell him to go on his way. Jesus says, no, bring me to her. And let's pick up this as we begin to look at this. 
And as soon, verse 36, as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. Me and Brother Dennis was talking about this week. You know, some people say he didn't permit them to go because they didn't believe. No, to see Jesus do miracles, you got to believe. But he still did it in their midst if he wanted to. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw a, a tumult. And those who wept and wailed routly, if you don't know what a tumult is, it's an uproar. It's a ruckus. Amen. It can sometimes happen in a big, in a church business meeting. It can sometimes happen amongst your family at the dinner table. Even sometimes coming to church. It was an uproar. There was an uproar. There was a commotion. There was wailing. There was brokenness. There was people. They were upset because this little girl, they thought, had died. And when he came, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. I like what Tony Evans said. Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. But what did they do? They ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. You see, the ones who are with Jesus, the ones who believe in Jesus, the one who knows who he is, that's who gets to watch and see what Jesus can do. Do you know how many people this morning ridicule Jesus? And because they ridicule Jesus, they ridicule us. But they're not seeing super God activity in their life. But friends, listen, right here, as he walks and he walks in the room, Jesus just casually, I can picture it in my mind as I read and meditate on this scripture He put him outside, he walked in, he entered the room where the child was lying, and he just took the child by the hand, and he said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. Tony Evans says, it's harder for some of you women, parents, to wake your kids up to get them to go to school than it was for Jesus to wake this little girl up from the dead. (laughs) And some of you knows what that's like. Get up, come on, breakfast is ready. Jesus took her by the hand and said, get up, little girl, and she got up. Now, friends, you read that and you might say, ah, you really believe that? I believe it. If you don't believe that, I don't believe you can believe he can save you. But if you don't want to believe this, you're never going to believe what you need to believe him for, for your miracle. There's people right here I know. I look back there at Brother Donnie. He he had lung cancer. He believed. Jack, I was there just the other day when the doctor told him, there's nothing else we can do. Your carotid arteries are clogged. You, do, you can't do this no more. You can't do this no more. you got to do all this. Jack's going around still having life. Amen. Praise God. You see, our life is not dependent on what a doctor says or a counselor tells you. Our life is dependent on what the Word of God says and who Jesus is. And Jesus can do anything he wants to if it's in his will. And he desires to bless. He wants to help. He lives to perform his word and show you that it's true. And every promise in this book is available to you today. Just like it was available to the day they wrote it. And it will be available forever because the word of God lives and abides forever. And this Jesus who did this miracle is going to do it for you today just like he did for them. You see, where is Jesus today? Well, at that time, Jesus was flesh. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Me and the Father are one. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was the prophet. He was not just a king. He's the king. And friends, listen. The Bible speaks of Jesus in three ways. He's prophet, priest, and king. 
But he's not just a priest. He's the high priest, the highest priest. And the Bible says there's one mediator between God and men. That's what a priest does. He mediates. He stands between God and men. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for all. And because he gave his life and he, he sacrificed himself, God gave him this authority we're looking at right here after his resurrection. And all authority has been given. The Bible says that because Jesus humbled himself and became a man and humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross, that God the Father has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. That one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings. And Lord of Lords. Now, as high priest, as king, as the great and only prophet of all, where is Jesus at today? After he ascended, he went back to heaven. You know where he's sitting? At the right hand of the Father on the throne over everything. And I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And when you get there, say amen. You see, Jesus literally can do more today than he could do when we read this story. While he done that, he was limited to wherever he could physically be. Yes, he showed up providentially there in time for Jairus to find him and have his daughter brought back from the dead. Yes, as he was going through a crowd on that day, a lady with an issue of blood who had suffered for 12 years at the hands of many physicians, spent all her money, gave everything she had, and had gotten any better, she was able to meet Jesus. And friends, like the pneumoniac, when he showed up, you think it was an accident that Jesus showed up exactly at that cemetery where that man stayed? I don't think there was many cemeteries with men living in them, amen? Possessed with a devil. Jesus, today, you're not here by accident if you have a need. I'm not talking about you just religious, you want a new car, or you want God to give you a bigger house. I'm talking about there's something in your life that shouldn't be there, that you wish wasn't there. It controls you. It, it, it keeps you. And it, help, it, it hinders you from being what God wants you to be. He could take that today. There's something in your life that the doctor told you that you don't even want to share, that you don't even want to believe. You're still struggling with the first things of denial, and you know it's there, and you got to deal with it. He's there with you. He'll, he'll be with you. He won't ever leave you. Maybe there's an awful thing that's happened between you and somebody and you wish it wasn't that way. Friends, he can change that. But guys, listen. The Bible says that God, who at various times in his various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. But he's as in these last days, we're in those last days, spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Jesus did all of that. God did it through him. It says in the next verse, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When Jesus had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and he sits on that throne and he's making intercession for us. He's mediating for us. He represents us before God and I want today to know that he is on your side. Friends, it tells us in another place before we look at where I want us to close out. In chapter 8 of Hebrews, verse 1, it says, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, 
a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, not man. I want you to think about that. This Jesus whom we read about here, that's very impressive. Yeah, he was here. He walked upon the earth. We went there to Israel. We walked. We were seen the Sea of Galilee. We may have well been in the same area where this miracle happened. But when he was here, he was limited. But now Jesus is on a throne. He can go everywhere. He can be in this church. He can be at the other church. He can be where you are. He sees every problem. Now in your reality, we have access to more of what Jesus can do. He can save more people now on a Sunday than he could when he walked upon the face of the earth because he was limited to where he went. He did that to himself. But once he gave his life and died on the cross and he was resurrected and he reascended and he went back to heaven and he sat up on his throne, now Jesus is watching over us this morning no less than he was that day. And I want you to think about this. Look what the Bible says in these three verses that we're going to look at together right quick. I put them up here because I want you to see it. And some of you don't have a Bible. It's important that you see the Word of God so it can help you to understand. He says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Now, he's not talking about being saved here. He's talking about those of us who have accepted Christ, who are believers, The holy brethren, he calls us in many places before you get to chapter 4. And he says, seeing then, because we're saved, we have this high priest, the great high priest. He passed through the heavens when he resurrected. He was ascending and he went back to the heavens and he sits at the right hand of God. He is God. Let us hold fast our confession. Friends, that means hang on to Christ. Keep trusting. And listen to what he says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. How many of you have got a weakness? How many of you have got something you wish wasn't there? But I praise God that in my weakness I get to find out about his strength. That when I fail, he doesn't. When I fall down, he still picks me up. When I'm ashamed to even look to him, he's the lifter of my head. He cleanses us. He washes us. He fixes us. We don't fix ourselves to come to him. He comes to us to fix us. And friends, listen. It's wonderful that he sympathizes with us in our weakness. That grabs our attention because we're weak. But that's not what I praise God for in that verse. In all points, he was tempted just as we are. Just as we are. He was tempted to do all the things we've done that's caused us consequences that we wish wasn't there. That's brought things into our life that God never intended to be there. That has left us wounded. That has left us scarred. That has left us the way we are when we don't have Jesus. But what gives me something to praise about, to get excited about, is even though he can sympathize with my weakness because he was tempted just like me, He might have been tempted, but he never sinned. Not only does Jesus have authority to forgive sin, Jesus has a power to overcome sin. Now, how can he set us free from sin if he didn't overcome it? And Jesus has overcome every weakness we'll ever face. He sympathizes with us because he knows what it's like now to be tempted. But he's not like us to the degree that we are all sinners falling short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. We deserve death. 
But his free gift, the gift of God, is eternal life through Christ. Why can he do that? Because he died for us when he never sinned. And guys, today, Jesus, the resurrected Son of God, the one who gave his life, the Lamb of God, who shed his perfect and sinless blood, who hung upon the cross as the perfect sacrifice and gave his life for us, was raised from the dead. He lived and was resurrected and many people seen him and then he ascended and now he sits right now over the throne above every throne. I don't know if they realize it up in Washington, but he's not up there scratching his head wondering what the Supreme Court's planning on doing. He's not worried about who the next president is. He's not worried about what political party's in control because he's sitting up there doing exactly what he wants to do, when exactly he wants to do it, however he wishes. And you know how he does it? He does it to people that have faith, who trust him, who believe in him, who say, Lord, this thing's a mess, but Lord, you can fix it. My life is not the way I wish it was, but Lord, I believe in you. I trust you. You see, revival comes to the person who realizes I'm not spiritually where I ought to be. I'm hindered. I I need reviving. Lord, renew in me a steadfast spirit. Return to me the joy of my salvation. Make it like it was when I first got saved. Return to me the passion I used to have when I was excited, when I had a hunger for the word and I read it every day and I prayed and I wanted to be with you in your presence. Lord, you can do that to me again. Save me if I'm lost. Uphold me. Because see, guys, we have access to something today. That many of us forget about. That's so precious. It's more precious than all the money in the world. It's more precious than the greatest relationships you can have down here. No matter how good your marriage is. No matter how wonderful your family is. No matter how much God's blessed you down here. Sooner or later you have a need. And when you have a need, a need like they had, that you can't fix, that a physician can't heal, that your money's run out, that your, your means to fix it is gone and there's nowhere else to go. You may not believe that today, but you're blessed because now you can go to the one who allowed it all to happen so that you can know who he is. This next verse, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. So let us, he says in that verse before that, let me go back and show you. Let us hold fast our confession and do what? (laughs) Man, look at this. Let us therefore come boldly. To the throne of grace. His throne is a throne of grace. It does have all authority. It has all the power to do whatever he decides. He is a judge. But he's also graceful. He's, he says we can come there and obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. I don't know about y'all. But when I think about this. This is not just a stage where they sing from. This is an altar this morning. We dedicated it to the Lord. You, when you come, you're not kneeling on this. You're, you're making an expression of God. I'm coming to your throne of grace in my hour of need. And Lord, I'm coming because first and foremost, before I can ever ask you to give me what I don't deserve, I need to prank you and praise you for the mercy that hasn't given me what I do deserve. Because I don't know about you, I deserve to go to hell this morning. I deserve to never have a prayer answered this morning. I deserve that God turn an eye to the other way and say, I've seen what you've done. I've watched how you operate. I know what you can be. But God says, but I know in me and my power, because of my grace, I know what I can make you. 
And I know what you might have been, but I know what I can turn you into. And friends, listen, today you come and he's not going to give you what you deserve. And we all know that we deserve not the mercy he shows, but he gives us grace. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Grace is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. As long as you think you can do it for yourself, you're earning it. It's works. But grace is only by faith. And faith is not me doing the best I can and believe Jesus for the rest. Faith is Jesus. It's all. Take me as I am. With all my warts, with all my blemishes, with all my scars, Lord, mold me. I'm reminded when I look at this throne of grace of what Jeremiah told Israel. He said, I'm the potter and you're the clay. I created you. I mold you. Look at that potter, Jeremiah. Look at that lump of clay on that wheel. Is not Israel like that clay? And today, are we not like that clay? And as we're in the hands of holy God, as he saves us, and he's molding us, and he's forming us into what he wants us to be, he says that Jeremiah looked, and the hands The clay in the hands of the potter was marred. It was blemished. Did he throw the clay away? No. It says that he took that out of the clay, that it didn't supposed to be there, and he removed it, and he began to reform it. Somebody in here this morning is uncomfortable. Praise God if you got a bad problem you don't want to deal with. Because if you're in the hands of God, we sing that song. We make it sound so fun to the little kids. We went down to the potter's house. Friends, I want to tell you something. If you ever get on the potter's wheel, it's not pleasant. Think about it. Sometimes in life, this is how you feel. Man, I wish this would quit. I wish I could get off. And then you feel the pressure of God pushing on you. Thank God if you felt that. Because he won't leave you like he found you. Praise God, he doesn't. And he begins to look. And he looks, he says, oh boy, this has got to go. He plucks it out. You ever had that happen? It don't feel good. The flesh don't like it. But he's molding you. But when he begins to form you, and he begins to get you into what he created you and what he wants you to be, and he says that he looked and he seen in the hands of the potter that God said he was able to change and do that to Israel. And if I can form Israel, can I not form you today? It starts by coming to this throne of grace. Jesus, my friend, he will help you. He will fix you. He will save you. And the amazing thing today is so many of us aren't even doing anything with him. Today, I just want to share as We're going to have them come up and sing. If you got a need this morning... And you're serious. Jesus will save you if you're lost. Friends, I want you to think about this. Help in a time of need. We sang that song. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Now. Today, if you know you're lost, today is your day of salvation. You don't have any promise of tomorrow. You could walk out of here today and not see dark. But today you're here and today you can come if you're lost and you can be saved. And God's grace and his mercy will forgive you of everything you've done and bless you with everything you need to help you to become a vessel of honor that he can use and bless and cleanse. And he will cleanse you today. Those of us who are saved today, we got things in our life 
We wish they wasn't there, but we just keep going to church. We just keep reading our Bible. We just keep trying a new Bible study. We keep trying this. Friends, I'm a firm believer that all those are beneficial and you should be a part of them. Spiritual disciplines are good. Sometimes counselors are good. But when you got a problem in your life that you can't get rid of, something that, it, a habit, especially an addiction, there comes a time where you have to realize it's not a 12-step program that sets you free. It's a one-step. And it's the first step that matters the most. It's a step to Jesus. And if you've got things in the past that he's holding you down with and you want to be set free, that lady, you didn't see it in the text, but if she had a 12-issue year of blood and she was bleeding, She had a physical problem. Yes, it cost her everything she owned, so she had a financial problem. But what you don't see, but I want to tell you today, is she had a religious problem. Because if she was a Jew and it was known that she had blood flowing from that area in her body, she was not allowed in the synagogue. She was not allowed to go to worship. She was not allowed to bring a sacrifice. She was ostracized and set aside. You may feel like that this morning with religion. Church will never set you free. Church will never make you feel right with God. Jesus showed up, touched her, took that from her in one moment. And in one moment, Jesus will do for you what a lifetime of religious activity will never do. He'll save you. He'll change you. He'll heal you. He'll deliver you. Today, I'm inviting you to come to Christ. Come to this altar. Bring your family. Bring your marriage. Bring your life. Bring your troubles and your needs to Jesus. And Jesus can do whatever he decides to do at this throne of mercy and grace. What are we going to sing, Brother John? I have decided. I have decided. That decision is yours. Would you stand and would you come? If Jesus is working on you, if you need Christ, today is your day. Would you come while you can? I have decided.